Hello, and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. All right, yeah, so there's a few... There's a few seats if you need one, if you're standing up or, you know, if you like to do that, that's cool too. You know, we can, we can get you in. We got some, some, some seats being ordered this week as well. Some, some of the soft ones, if you don't like them plastics back there, but I won't be long today for obvious reasons. So as you heard Beth saying, it's, it's our family service. And over the summer, we've kind of done this to where we do what's called a family service once a month. And we kind of tried to structure it when we knew a lot of our families and people were going to be out of town on vacation, you know, so that's kind of how we've done it. And especially those who volunteer and serve in our children's ministry departments. And so normally, if you're new, this room off to the side of the building right here is is our elementary school age then that's like five and under or four threes and twos and then that's as beth said if you have a a little one that gets a little rowdy you feel free to take him or her back in there that's what it's for i think there's a speaker in there and stuff like that and um you know the message that i was kind of putting together i kind of felt might be a little much for them and mine are in here too, you know what I mean? I was like, well, this might be a, a, little, a little meaty for them to grasp. So I was like, you know, when I was a kid, one thing that stuck out to me in church, as much as I despised going to church, because I really did all the way through my, my teenage years, um, but it was just like when I would go is, is every once in a while somebody would come up in there and tell a story, and I would, I would lock straight up in on it, you know what I mean, especially if it was supernatural, which was rare, but I can remember it. And... Um, so I, I wanted to tell some stories about my own life. I really didn't want to. I actually had a message planned, but then I realized it was family service and I was like, this ain't gonna work. So backing that up, and my little girls are here this morning and they've never heard some of my personal story, one of my personal stories. So I thought it'd be really cool for them to see that, that heritage um, because there's just so much written about making space and making room for our children. You know? And I know that we do that in our classrooms and we teach them the prophetic ministry and hearing the voice of the Lord and the, the goodness, the, the true theology of, of God being all light and good and not bipolar and those things that we want to establish in them. But there's also something very sweet about having them all in here with us on Sundays in the, in the quote unquote big people church. And I remember several times in the scriptures, you know, Matthew and in Mark where where people would literally come and bring kids to Jesus, and it, for some reason, the disciples would get kind of chapped about it, you know what I mean? Or be bothered about it. Like, what are you doing? Like, don't bother. They get kind of frustrated. But then Jesus would get really stern with them. And, um, you know, the Mark, the Mark version, which is also the same as the Matthew 19 and the Mark 10, it's like Jesus is like, hey, don't, don't forbid these people bringing their kids. Let their children come to me and don't, don't hinder them for such belongs the kingdom of God. Amen. And it's more like, no, nah, man, we want to be around you. We want to we hear these deep prophetic um, um, mystical teachings and things that you're doing. We don't want you to dumb it down around these little kids. We want, we want the, this is for the grown-up time. And he's like, no, 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 no. The, the kingdom of God and the essence of the kingdom is reserved for people like them. And if you're not like them in mind, then you won't actually even be able to receive it anyways. And um, he would say, you know, just let them come to me. Don't, don't by any means hinder them. And um, 
bring them. Because uh, he who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like them doesn't, won't, won't actually in, enter into it. And it said he would take them up in his arms and he would bless them and stuff. And we see the eternal king, the almighty, you know, the embodiment of Yahweh, the fullness of deity embodied, right? And that's what Colossians 2 calls him, the fullness of everything that God is embodied in a person, bringing these little munchkins into his arms, taking a, a time out, so to speak, from the adult teachings and stuff like that, and squeezing on these kids, embracing them, rubbing on their heads, like, ah, you little, you know what I mean? And blessing them and releasing them, you know what I mean? And it's such a beautiful thing. Um, him creating space. One, one scripture that I, I really love is Matthew 18.10. And this is something that for us and for all of you little kids, this is the essence of the mindset that we have in the world, right? You know, if you guys remember the last time we did a family service, guys, um, we talked about Hebrews 13.2, what it says. It says, do not neglect to entertain strangers, for by doing so, many have entertain angels without knowing it in other words like some of the random people you pass down on the street might not even be a human being they might be some angelic messenger from heaven for all you know and this isn't just a theory if we believe the Bible is the written word of God which we do this is in our Bible and it's not a context thing right there or anything like it it's right there for us and I'm going to talk about it a little bit today how it blew my wig back um, but at the same time the reality is like, heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus was saying, hey, like, everybody's valuable. And in Matthew 18, 10, he says, take heed that you don't despise or neglect one of the little kids. For I say to you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. And I love that single verse. Don't despise even the little kids as not being valuable or worthy of your time because they're angels, which a lot of people say, well, this is, the, this is the scripture that tells us that kids, people have guardian angels. Yeah, I think that does work, actually. But that's not, that's not the point. The point is their angels always see the face of the Father who's in heaven. In other words, their angels don't look at them as insignificant and nobody. They see the face of the Father in those kids, right? We were literally created in the image of God, it says, after His likeness. Our calling, our purpose, our destiny was and always has been and is to manifest the image of God in the world. Humans are, just like dogs are man's best friend, at least that's my opinion, because I love them. Um, humans are imagers of God, yeah. We are the vessels, the carriers. Christ within us is the hope of glory. And the angels see people, even people that we see insignificant, they see them, they see the face of the Father. And it's an honor to serve, right? I think that's what it says in Hebrews 1 and Psalm 100, yeah. He makes his angels winds and his servants flames of fire. There's a partnership in the world and in the earth of all the ministers of heaven and earth to, to manifest the kingdom of heaven. And it's something supernatural that we've been called in Christianity to walk into and to step into. And so I think it's just a really beautiful thing. I had a guy walking up my street. I live on, you know, it's a corner house, so my address isn't Dulce, but I live on Dulce, right? And 
And I was leaving my house. Um, we were out last week, right? We were out of town. But the week before that, I was leaving my house and I was going to go to South Tyler for something. It was in the afternoon. And I guess Nicole had the girls out somewhere or whatever. And um, I, I pulled out. I backed out of my house and I was leaving and I hit my garage door opener and it, and it closed like three-fourths of the way and then started going back up. Isn't that annoying when you're trying to leave? You're like, what is going on? You know what I mean? So I stood in the, I sat there in the street and I, and I overlooked, looking over my shoulder and I pressed it again and it started to go back down and I started to pull off. And then as I looked, it started to go back up again. I'm like, what is happening to this thing? Is there a twig or something? You know, sometimes the light hits the little laser beam, correct? You know, so I look in my rear view mirror and there's, there's this guy walking up my street and he's probably about six feet tall, six one. He's got dreadlocks, little, you know, probably about five, six inch dreadlocks. He's just beginning them, wearing an, a black t-shirt and black, black jeans. It's like 101 degrees outside. It's just like ridiculously hot. And um, I kind of see him over my shoulder, but anyways, I, I back and reverse and I go, into my, go back into my driveway and I get out of my truck and I walk up to my garage and I hit the button again to see like, it, like there's nothing in the way of it. I don't know why it's not working. And it comes all the way down and closes. And I'm just like, I had to come back here and stand outside of my car and then it worked, you know? And, um, but I see this dude walking down the street and I think, well, maybe there's something to it. And I, I get back in my truck and get my stuff and he walks up into my driveway and he walks to the side of my car. And some would think maybe he looks, he's an intimidating character, but it's pretty much what the majority of my friends looked like growing up from where I'm from, you know? And so anyway, so he walks up and, and, um, he stands outside of my, he stands outside of my truck and he looks at me and I, I kind of like, Hey, what's up? And he, and he goes, excuse me, sir. <laughs> He's like, is there any way you could give me a ride? And, um, you know, it's one of those guys, you know, from a distance, he probably looks somewhat intimidating, you know, to most people. And, um, but when he walked up and I saw his face, it just, it's like, you're a kid. You're a big old six foot two kid like I was when I was 15 years old. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I was just like, he's like, I just got to go somewhere. I'm going to go, I got three, three, four more miles. He's kind of tall. I was like, just get in the car. And he's like, excuse me? I was like, yeah, just get in. He's like, all right. So he gets in my car, you know. And so I start, I was like, where are you going? Like, I'm going to South Tyler. Where are you going? He's like, well, I'm kind of going to the north side. I'm like, oh, man, you know. He's like, all right, well, give me the place, the apartment complex. It's like right across from John Tyler, actually, where he lives, where, is, where he was going. And I was like, all right, you know. So I typed it in my GPS, the apartment complex. We started just driving. So then, of course, I'm praying, like, all right, Lord, what are you? He's in my car. He has to listen to anything I say, you know, pretty much. <laughs> He's not coming to the Hoff, but he might have to sit there and listen to me for a while, you know. But I was really, do, I have, do you have a word for him? Do you have something for him? You know, what's going on with this guy? And, I, you know, we're driving a little bit, and the dude's face is just completely sweat. His eyes are squinty when he's asking the question because it's just, it's so brutally hot outside. And he had like three and a half, well, four miles to go where he was going. Um, and then I just thought, oh, just tell him your story. Just tell him your story the way you were when you were his age. And I was like, yeah. And so that's what's going to happen today. So you guys are in the back seat of the car with me and this guy named Dre, pretty much. You know, I didn't plan to do it, but my kids are here and they've never heard this. And so it's really cool because I start to tell them a story. I was like, you know, when I was a teenager, because I was 19, I think, when this, when this story actually happened, 
and I told him, I was like, you know, I used to be, I actually used to be an athlete and I was, I was a basketball player and I played in high school and I was, you know, good enough to actually continue. So I was really good and I was able to go to college after that. And, but the first year, um, out of high school, I had a really bad foot injury and I actually had to have reconstructive surgery on my foot. I had to take a bone actually out of my foot. And so like remove it and reattach the tendon. And it was interesting because after the, the injury I had like midway through my senior year, I'd, I would always try to come back, but it would always kind of flare up and get worse. And so anyways, I had some colleges that I could go to and, 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 and opportunities, but I decided to stay at one that was local and we were looking through surgeons and stuff and we found a surgeon that was willing to do this surgery to cut this, to cut this bone out of my foot and fix it. Because some of the surgeons, the place we went was called the Jewett Orthopedic Clinic. You know, it's in Orlando. They, you know, they do the, all the athletes from like University of Central Florida and like the Orlando Magic and all these guys, all these players that are there. So they're really highly recommended, right? And so I'm going to have surgery there. And the first doctor was like, if you have this surgery, you're never going to regain your full athletic ability on your right foot. It just won't happen because the tendon will be shorter. You're taking a bone out. We're going to pull it down through and it's just like, it won't happen. And I just didn't believe him. And then the, finally we got to another surgeon. He says, no, I think we can do this. And I think you'll be, I think we can get it to where it'll work. And um, so we went with it. We gambled and went with it. So anyways, I had this surgery. And it was a big time in my life because I'd started as a, as a teenager and I'm telling Dre this stuff, um, but telling you guys, I started to have like really supernatural and prophetic experiences towards my mid to late teens. And I had had them as a little kid, but then they had all really kind of stopped and it started happening to me again. Angels, demons, uh, dreams, visions, all these different things, intuitions, the type of stuff that many of you kids experience and will, and all you have to do is ask for. And so it was knocking on my door, but I wasn't following God at all. I was actually living a kind of a bad life. And uh, so I wasn't really a, a Christian or following that way. I just kind of figured, you know, before I die, I'll, I'll do the thing and at least I won't go to hell type of thing. Now, I'd come to that by the late teens and I didn't want to live, I didn't have to, want to have to go to church because I hated it. So anyhow, imagine that, right? Um, so I, I'm, I'm with this guy, Dre, and I'm telling him I had this surgery. And um, after I'd had surgery, there was a certain amount of time that I was in crutches and I couldn't put my foot on the ground. And, and then I was in a walking boot. It was a, it was a, long, a long deal. Um, but I went to the movie theater with a bunch of my friends, a bunch of guys and girls that I was with. And um, I remember going to this theater in Merritt Island, Florida, right near where we lived. And... It was one of these theaters where there was, a, there was a movie theater on the inside of the mall and on the outside of the mall. Um, it, was, it was a dual place because it was really popping and all this stuff was going on there. So we're inside buying tickets, me and a group of people, probably about six or seven of us. And they didn't have the, the ticket to the, the movie we wanted to see. The time was on the outside theater. So I remember as we were in there, we're, we heard the news like, oh, we're going to have to crutch across the parking lot, which was a long deal for me. I got a crutch all the way over there and buy the tickets at the box office at the other place. And so um, this guy walks in to the movie theater, to the mall really, and he walks by me and he gave me a really hard look. He kind of looked at me like, like you can't see this on the podcast, but it's a really tough looking look over at me. And it was kind of like he was trying to start something because in Florida, it's kind of like what you do in Florida. It's like you fight people and get in fights and act tough. I don't know if you know about that place, but that's pretty much accurate to this day the way it is. 
And so, you know, but so you have to be a real tough guy. So luckily I was that, or at least I pretended to be that. But I mean, this little guy, this African looking dude walks in and he, and he, we called it shooting a unit. You ever heard that? He shot a unit at me. That means he, he, he gave me a really tough look. And I remember thinking like, dude, I'm on crutches, man. Why are you looking at me like that, man? Whatever. And I'm with all my friends. Like, Go on, man. You know, so then we crushed across the line and he went, he, he just walked straight into the mall, into the mall area. So I just didn't think much of it, just thought like, that guy was weird, he's obviously a little bit off. We went and crushed across the parking lot and got to what's called the box office, which is where you buy the tickets for the movie theaters. You kids don't know that stuff these days, but that's how it works, not online. <laughs> so you get a little ticket out of a little ticket window, right? And so where the tickets were is like you had to walk up these like 15 or 20 steps that were all probably like three foot wide. So they were, it was a real gradual, real open place, real pretty place, Merritt Island, Florida, you know what I mean? And so I, me and a couple of the guys crutched up to the top and we we're going to buy the tickets for the girls we were with and all that, you know how it goes. And, and so we we're just getting in line and I feel somebody tap on my shoulder and I turned around and it's a, it's a big line because there's a lot of people there. And it's that little, it's that little African looking dude that was shooting me a unit at the mall, you know, looking at me tough. And I, I was like, Hey, what's going on? You know, and I'm standing on a crutch, can't put my foot on the ground. He goes, what happened to your foot? And when he talks, he kind of seemed like he had like an impediment or like he, he was like mentally handicapped a little bit, I thought. And then I felt bad. Then I thought, oh, that's why he was looking at me crazy because he is a little bit off, you know? And um, I just like, man, I heard it playing basketball and then I just turned around. And he said, I had an injury once. And he said, I, I hurt my foot once. He was trying to explain it in his little weird way of talking. And I, I, was, I tried to blow him off. I said, yeah, stuff happens, man. Yeah, stuff happens, and just turned back around, but I didn't say stuff. That's what I said to the guy. And so, yeah, stuff happens, man, and just kind of turned around, and my friends are looking at me because all these weird things have been happening in my life, and all my friends, none of them knew if Jesus was shot or crucified. They didn't know the whole Christian story. Nobody knew that stuff, but I knew God was after me a little bit But at that point. So then he taps me a third time. I'm like, yeah. And he says, can't can I pray for you? To which like, you know, we don't have like little YouTube videos of people praying for people like they do all now and all that stuff. I don't like it, but that's what everybody does. You know, we don't have all that kind of thing going on. So it wasn't really normal, especially not for me. And like you said, I thought I was really cool, too cool for school. Um, but I also knew better than to say no. I was like, oh. And I was like, okay, buddy. Let me buy my tickets and then I'll get out of line and then you can pray for me. He goes, okay. So he just stands there. We get up to the ticket. I buy however many I was getting. Anthony bought his, Derek bought his, you know, you know, whoever was with us. And I stepped out of line, probably like 10 feet away, not even very far. And he walked over to me and he didn't even buy tickets. So for one, I'm like, how did you even get in line near us? Because the line was long and you were going the other way at the mall. And for two, you're not buying tickets? Like, what, what are you doing? You know what I mean? He was just hunting me, man, to be honest, creeping on me. He was a creepy little guy, too. And so I crept off, you know, I stepped off. I mean, he looked normal, but he looked African. And, and so I stepped off out of line, and, and I'm standing there on my crutches, and I'm like, okay, go ahead, and just standing next to him. I don't know what he's going to do, right? And I'm like, yeah, go ahead, man. You can, you can pray for me or whatever. Do what you're going to do. The guy gets down on his hands and knees on the ground, which is so embarrassing to me back then. It's just, it's just like, I'm standing there on crutches with my foot out, and he like cuddles down on the ground over my foot and wraps his hands on it and puts his face next to it. And it's just like, 
like that's that's inappropriate or something you know what I mean like <laughs> what are you doing to me man <laughs> this is awkward but um, he started just he, and he started going for it like Lord please fix this foot is what I'm thinking like all right nice to meet you and he's going but he's kind of taking a while and I'm just kind of like and I, one thing I specifically remember kids were running around him like they didn't even care like we were standing there it wasn't even a weird thing and so I'm standing there and he's praying on my leg and and I had this thought because I started to feel something in my, I always say it's like kind of in my sternum, in the pit of my stomach, in my sternum, in my back, you know, um, that tingle, you know, some of y'all know that. It's like I started feeling that nervous thing now, I, like when the Lord's around. And um, I had this thought, like, what if this guy's a voodoo witch? He's in some stuff like that because he'd seen, he was like, okay, he has a Haitian vibe. You know, it's Florida, you know, so it's a little different than here. It's a lot more mixed than it is here. But it's like he has that vibe and I started to get afraid and so I leaned down to hear what he was saying and when I did his language was completely unintelligible I could not understand anything that he was saying and I stood up and that scared me even worse because I thought he was mentally handicapped now he's just I don't know if he's Shundai Hyundai or what it is it's a language that I'm just like whoops and I step up and I'm like whoa that's not English this guy's on my foot crouched down in a ball on his knees now, not like crowd, like on his knees, like huddled on that thing, like locked onto me, man, in public, you know, a really insecure person that you would think is like super confident, but it's really just fake and is insecure, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, but I'm just like, what are you doing, man? And, and uh, but then that scared me even more. And I'm like, Yee, you know, and it's funny when I'm telling Dre this story in the car, he stopped me right there and he goes, they do be doing that. <laughs> uh, and, and I think he was talking about like tongues or something. I think he, it, which kind of gave me a grid like, okay, so he's, he's familiar with, with things, you know what I mean? With something spiritual, you know, in his family or something like that. He goes, they do be doing that. And, and I was like, I was like, yeah, <laughs> I just was like, yeah. <laughs> so that's, uh, since you're in the back seat, that's what's happening with me and Drag talking. And so, uh, and then he, and then I had that, that feeling of like, whoa, snap, what was that? And then I had the thought like, well, maybe that's, maybe that's some Haitian stuff. Maybe he's speaking in French. Maybe it's Creole, man, you know, um, some straight up. Um, but I thought in my mind, I had the thought come through. If it's in the name of Jesus, it's good. Because at least I knew that much, right? So I leaned back down to, to hear what he was saying. And he said, in the name of Jesus, in English, that was not, you know, messed up. He spoke that clearly. And I was like, oh. And he said it twice. I believe it was twice. It's in the name of Jesus. I, in the name of Jesus. And then he stood up and looked at me. And I was just, I had them chills going. You know what I mean? On the ends out of my stomach, nubs. You know, I had that thing like, oh, man. And um, he looked me in the face. And I'll never forget this. Because his eyeballs look like, uh, like the Milky Way or something. You know what I mean? Just, just clear, crystal big. Um, sweet man, uh, little fella, and um, he looks at me in the face, and he so he's smaller than me. He's probably like five ten, you know, something like that. And uh, he says, he says, I said thank you like that, and he says, don't thank me, thank him, and he pointed up. And when he said that, I just said, thank you. I said it again because I was just rattled, um, and I wasn't trying to be rude. It's just uh, thank you thanks 
And then he says, that's why I was here tonight. And he starts to walk down. And then I start to walk down. And so I crutched down to my friends and the girls and a couple of my friends, they knew that kind of stuff had really started to happen into my life in my late teens. It just all of a sudden, it was the Lord knocking on my life, the door of my life, my brain, my spirit, soul, whatever, um, calling me into something that I was so afraid of because I thought it just means you'll just be miserable and never have fun. You'll go to church your whole life and listen to bad music and pretend like it's not bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's what they all do, right? Uh, uh, you know, so that's like, oh my gosh, and you have to read your Bible every day. Oh my gosh, you know, all these terrible things that I thought I'd be forced into. And so I didn't understand that it, the eternal domain of heaven was real. The mystical walk of Christianity was, was real life. Like the very keys to the desires of your heart were actually, he's actually sewn those in, placed those in while you were in your mom's womb. Before the foundations of the earth, it says, the things that make you come alive the absolute most are the things that he put in there. Not only do you want them, he wants them, and he knows how to meet them, and he knows how to put you on the path to the most fulfillment in life. See, I didn't know this stuff because I'd just been to church. You know, I didn't, I didn't understand that that was real life. I didn't understand that if you gave your life to God, it wasn't signing away all your rights and choosing to live a church life. I didn't know when you gave your life to God all the desires, everything that He's put in you to bring fulfillment, like He's going to lead you on a path of adventure that's going to be beautiful and wonderful beyond what you could ask or think. I didn't know that. And now that's our message. That's Christianity um, to those who will trust Him and follow through. But, um, so yeah, so I crushed down there and, and a couple, they were like, he, that guy was praying for you, huh? Only a couple of them saw, like two or three of them. And I was like, yeah, they're like, here it goes again. And, uh, uh Anyways, there was more to that, but we went into the movie theater that day, or, or, or I should stop and say this. They said, he was praying for you, and I was like, yeah, and they're like, that's so weird. And then they turned around, and some, some of the guys that were with us were like, well, who is it? And I was like, that little black dude over there, he's right over there. And, and then we were all looking for him, we couldn't find him. Couldn't find him nowhere. And if you knew the Merritt Island Theater, which is funny, because I've told this story on a video, and so a lot of my Florida friends have seen it, and they're like, that, you know, they know the place, they know where it's at, you know what I mean? But if you knew the Maradine Theater, they there's nowhere to go or hide. You're at, you cross the parking lot, and there's this big row of massive steps, and there's a restaurant called Jungle Gems. It's real fun. And, but it's like there's nowhere he could go. And so then we're like, hey, where's that guy? And they're like, it was just 30 seconds ago right over there. And then everyone's like, oh, holy crap, what just happened? You know what I mean? I'm sorry, Noble. She's going to get me on that one. Said the C word, you know. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got the Holy Spirit and my daughters that really get me on the C word. But um, anyhow, and it wasn't that. It was like, oh my gosh, everybody was freaked out. Like, where's that guy? At? Now, where's he at? And he was just gone. No one could see where he was. Nobody could see him. And, um, you know, we went and sat and watched that movie. The funny thing I say, that movie was called Any Given Sunday, which is a football movie with Al Pacino in it. So that's kind of funny, Any Given Sunday, but ironic anyways for me. Um, but anyways, I got in a car with my best friend who was actually just visited the Hoff here. He actually helped me start this a long time ago, helped help fund it really um, a little bit. And, and he actually came and just visited our building, came through Texas just two weeks ago. But he was there and he, he wasn't a Christian at all at the time, you know what I mean? And um, so he was with me and we got in the car to drive home and I was like, dude, I don't know. I don't, he was like, what was that? And I was like, dude, I don't know, man. I don't know if that guy was really even a guy. I don't know if he was human. And my 
and Derek, my best friend, his, his hairs were all standing up on his arm, like, oh, like, dude, and he'd hold his arm out, like, look at him, dude, I'm like, I don't know, man, we were just creeped out by it, you know? <laughs> we didn't know a whole lot what was going on, man, but I knew that God was knocking, and, and I was afraid of him at that time, because I didn't realize how kind, wonderful, and good that he is, and, um, and uh, so that, that was that, but I remember going home, and at that time in my life, I had to sleep with my foot on a pillow, because it had to be higher than my heart because of the surgery. And so I had to sleep with my foot. So I couldn't sleep on my right or my left, you know. And so I slept with my foot up elevated. I just specifically remember that because I'd had such a reconstruction of surgery. But my parents, Mama and Papa, as you guys know them, uh, my parents at the time had bought me a Bible for Christmas, like that year or the year before. An NIV Bible, paperback. And I remembered when they bought it for me on Christmas Day, I opened it, and I was like, what? You bought me a Bible? Like, this is $20. You could have bought me a hat or a t-shirt with that amount of money. Like, I was kind of sour about it, you know what I mean? And I took the Bible, and I pushed it under the couch. Pushed it all the way up under the couch, because, like, you ain't going to make me read that. Waste that on me. That's not a gift. That's a gift for you, not for me. You know, that, that just shows you how my attitude was back then, but I just shoved it off like, hey, you know? But these supernatural encounters that started to happen, and light and dark, and it started to kind of have me startled, light and dark, both startled me to be honest, um, on a regular basis. So I had actually got that Bible out that they had bought me that I pushed under the couch <laughs> for, you know, whenever, but I actually had it sleeping next to my bed and open. Um, and I didn't read it, but the reason I had it out was like, it was kind of like incense for a fly, you know, for like mosquitoes or something. I didn't know, you know what I mean? I just figured like, this will help. Have this open will help, you know, kind of, you know, keep the dark stuff away, you know? It's so silly. But that's just the grid that I was at, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah. So I, I thought, oh, yeah, man, this will help, you know, because I was creeped out half the time because what was going on. But I laid down, I got in my bed, and that Bible was sitting there, and I picked it up. And I brought it into my bed, and I was like, I don't remember if I said it out loud or if I thought it. I think I thought, thought this, but I thought, if that was you, if that was really from you, there's something in this book about it. And I literally did this. I just grabbed it. You know, you ever do, the, we call it the flip technique. <laughs> Elder Steve spoke a couple weeks ago about how he does that sometimes, and his wife gives him a hard time about it, which is funny. But I did the flip technique. It's what I used to call it. I just grabbed my Bible like this with my thumb. And I just opened it up. I said, if that was you, there's something in here. And I leaned over it. And I say this 100%. This is not a, a parable. This is 100% what happened. I, I, I opened it up right exactly to Hebrews 13. And my eyes fell right on Hebrews 13 too. Do not forget to entertain strangers. For by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. That is the first verse that I came to in my in my young Christian life having an experience with a man praying for me and then not being there in front of all of my secular friends you know who all got freaked out and I thought man that might not have been a person he was different and I opened that Bible that night and I read that verse very specifically and when it did it just it hit me like it was like a wind just boom, just hit me the reality of Whoa, there's a whole lot more going on than we realize. Whoa, there's, there's more. All, the reality of what we talk about even here, that, that Hebrews 11 says 
that by faith, I think it's verse 2 and 3 of Hebrews 11, 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that that which is seen was made by that which is unseen. And that verse, what it means that it's, uh, it's, it's the simulation, the matrix, the, the plastic reality that we live in is a lesser reality than, that, than the kingdom and the creator who made this place. It's not that this isn't real, but it's by faith we understand that the planets, the worlds, that world is the planetary system that we live in, was framed by the word of God. This framed, like it's a lesser dimension, like a framed picture of something that there's something more real behind it. That's what, that's what faith's definition is in Hebrews 11.3. You know what I mean? And that reality without knowing Hebrews 11.3 started to crack my grid of like, whoa, there's more. Whoa, there's something else. And whoa, there's God, you know. And, and so that night I just laid back in my bed and I felt that same throb through my sternum in my chest of like, whoa, like that was something real that I can't forget, that I can't unsee. And some of my friends can't unsee and did see and still remember to this very day. You know what I mean? And um, it was this beautiful thing that happened to me that brought me into what I call the fear of the Lord or what the Bible calls the fear of the Lord. It's the reality that that realm is more real than this one. And that we as the imagers of the nature and power of God are called to transpose, if that's the right word, the reality of the finished work of His cross and the reality of God's love over the facade of this world. And that is heaven coming to earth. There is a narrative in the frame, in the matrix, in the plastic reality of this world. Not that it's bad. There's a narrative, though, in the frame of Hebrews 11.3 that the enemy uses fear and manipulation to try to paint his picture, his forecast of what reality is. And the images of God are called to live by this thing called faith, which is belief in the reality in a way that trumps the lesser reality and causes it to manifest. Yeah, faith, Hebrews 11.1, 1, is the substance the foundational substance of the things hoped for, the evidence of the things that are not seen. It means that by faith, that substance, it means it's the foundational floor. It's this, it's this, this aspect of belief and also, like John the Baptist said, create space, make way for the kingdom, where we actually create space inside of the grid of this world. And our faith and hope is linked with heaven to cause it to manifest in the here and now. And people see it and turn to the reality. That's our deal, man. It's belief, and it is faith, and it trumps everything. I know Elon Musk thinks we're living in a simulation, and he's almost right about it, but there's something higher. There's a, there's a higher dimension of reality, and it's heaven, you know? A lot of people, another thing, people ask, like, what happened to your foot when that guy prayed for you? Well, nothing seemed to happen to it. I mean, I still went through from that cast to another cast to a walking boot to physical therapy. Um, but it fully healed. It fully did heal. And some of the first doctors who thought like, yeah, you'll never be athletic. I, I jumped better off my right leg than I did off my left. Which is, if you knew any, you know, that's for, for a right-handed person, that's not normal. For a left-handed person, it is. And I'm right-handed. But I jumped better off my right than I do off my left. So anyways, it, you know, just, just a fun fact there. But um, yeah, the thing recovered. 
you know, there's a scripture, there's another scripture we believe, kids, um, in Mark 16, verse 17 and 18. Jesus is talking about that faith of belief. These things would follow those who believe. And one of the things it says, they will lay, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. They will recover. And we believe healing in this place. We've seen a lot of good healings in this place. And I love the instant stuff. But the wording that Jesus used in Mark 16 is actually somewhat different there. He said they will recover. In other words, we lay hands on the sick. We, we release the seed of it and let the kingdom be planted there and let it take its root and let it take its course. We're never to judge by what we instantly see. The enemy has trapped people in their mind in this quick fix McDonald's fast food world of American thinking that's over the entire world that if we don't see something, we come out of agreement with it. And the reality is we'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We're called to walk in faith and sow the seeds of the kingdom every single place they go. And my foot did recover. But I think it was less about athletic abilities, which is nice, but it was more about God for me changing my walk into a completely different direction. And that's the night that that thing happened and was set on course. That little African dude crunched down, curled up on my feet like that, you know. <laughs> Thankful for him, you know. Whoever he is, whatever he is. But that's my point. My point for the day, especially for the kids, one, I want to tell my girls that story because they never heard me tell it like that. But my point today is kids, you have permission to believe everything God says. Anything God ever tells you, you have full permission to fully believe it. Anything that you read that's of Him in the Bible, you have fully permission to believe. There is no limits on you. There's no limit on your life. There's no limit on your ability. There's no limit on where you can go and what you can do because God is with you. And more than that, He's inside of you. When we believe what God says, we enter into it. That's a profound biblical truth. It's Psalm 82. I mean, it's, it's throughout the whole thing. We unite to God's word, his truth, by our belief. And it is the alignment that ushers it into the earth. It's the people of faith. Yeah. Faith causes God's word to be manifested as reality. And it happens in our lives and it overtakes what people have accepted in this world as reality, right? It's not like, oh, you know, you're a sinner and come join my club or, you're, or else you're going to go to hell forever. That's your deal. Pick one. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's kind of what it's meant. That's so, so silly and dumb and, and not real or biblical. You know what I'm saying? But the reality is it's like, no, when Jesus said make disciples, people should want what we have. That's what it is. Like, what's that? It's working and I, and I want it. And the brilliant thing for us is like, it's actually not me. It's who I know and who I am to him. And guess what? You, you're the same. Yeah. We are called to be enforcers of reality. And an ambassador must know what they represent. Not just having a theory about what we represent. We got to believe and have experiential knowledge. We got to enter into this real life. And it's the beauty of this thing. It's the beauty even of our trials. We think James is talking about, you know, embrace your trials, count it all joy. Like, what? You're crazy. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. Every trial, everything we come against, with the mentality of, of heaven and the kingdom, we see everything as an opportunity for heaven to be manifest and to come out of agreement with the forecast 
the diagnosis of the world, but into agreement with the finished reality of heaven, what he's done and what he's accomplished. And that's our job in the world. Let heaven come. Well, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all of our kids and all the kids and people that are in this service. Um, that your angels even see the face of God in the children and each one of us. Lord, I ask that we would see that way, that we would see like Revelation 19.10, that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, that we would start to see everything through the testimony of your finished work and that your reality, truth, and reality would, would invade this place in and through your people, in and through this body. Amen.